he was gone. That was like the first loss that I ever actually um, encountered. I uh, had to go through. I mean, it, which is a, a, an awesome blessing that it took yeah. up until. So it was seven years ago now. So like I was in my you know late twenties before I ever really endured a big loss in my life. Okay. Um, which I think is a massive blessing. Uh, and wow, what did I learn from the loss? So just going through that grief, that was kind of the initial part of my reflection of life. What am I doing? Why? Um, 18 months later, um, out of the blue, my dad passed away. Uh, and, you know, I talk about my grandpa being larger than life. This guy was everything to me. Uh, I mean, he coached me in all the sports. Um, I mean, he was incredibly hard on me at times. Just like I tell a lot of my clients, you know, I'll love you 51% and challenge you 49 And really realizing... Once we started to dive into the small business world, um, how broken people are mm. and how much poor leadership there is and employees are numbers and they're a bottom line and leaders are struggling and leaders are victim of the business. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's no different than yeah. anything I've ever encountered Like from my you know, grandpa and my dad working at General Motors and I've heard all those stories. So for me, it's like we have to help people. I don't really care how much of a success or failure there are. We need to believe in them and we need to challenge them because that's what they did to me. And that's what I'm going to do to everyone else. Cause that's why I'm here. That's why I exist. Um, in that period of reflection and personal growth, like, you know, the, I can't remember exactly who said it. It'll probably come to me the second we're done recording, but the two most important days in, uh, in, in a person's life are the day they were born, the day they figure out why. So, you know, I think the difference between a good leader and a bad leader is is really simple and it's do you care about the people who you're leading i mean i think simon sinek said it says it better than anyone like leadership is not about being in charge leadership is about who like we are serving we've found in a lot of companies there's a vacuum a leadership position opens up oh yeah or we've built a new department and we need a leader. You were excellent in sales. You were mm -hmm. excellent in marketing. Let's make you the manager, the director, the VP. Yeah. yeah. And I've not equipped you. I've not given you the training or the skill set. Right. And all of a sudden, they're a leader of people who are doing the job that they were really good at. Yeah. Uh, but that's not their job anymore. Their job is to lead the people that they're really good at. And I mean, that's where companies break all the time is in the middle. But I would say the number one challenge that we encounter is communication. Yeah. And in parallel with that human behavior, because uh, it's extremely difficult to change, although it can be incredibly simple. People are messy. People are messy, right? I mean, yeah. one person and their storyline makes complete sense. Add one more and it's infinitely complex. Right. And I mean, that's as simple as I, you know, a $25 million company to a $500,000 company. The number one challenge we face every single time is communication. We're created for greatness inside of every one of us yeah. has something special, has greatness. And man, I see so many people living these lives of quiet desperation mm -hmm. that they don't know what that greatness is. Yeah. They don't believe that there is. Why yeah. am I here? There's no point. And so it's like, okay, when we talk about our why, understanding what we're doing here, mm -hmm. for me personally, that is, even if it's a small portion, even if it's just a little bit to pull that greatness out of somebody and say, hey, this is here. Now, how do we develop that? 
Yeah. And once that's caught, it's not just taught, it's caught. How do we bring that about? Mm-hmm. Then they're going to see that. And ultimately what we've found when we have helped build and showcase leaders is they want to build leaders and they want to develop leaders. Yeah. One of the biggest challenges that we see in businesses, in performances, organizations that we're working with is communication. Mm-hmm. Communication on the vision, communication on their culture, communication departmentally down to your clients. And it's it's a big struggle. Oh, yeah. And so we mentioned in the last podcast, uh, DISC. We said, you're a DC. I'm an IS. And what does all that mean with these letters? And what is DISC? Yeah. So today we're going to do more of a primer, a little bit of an overview of what DISC is, uh, how it works, and really how that can help you communicate to your organization. You're probably, you know, listening or watching uh, and thinking like, oh man, that's Susie or that's Bobby or oh, that's me. I mean, he's talking about the S personality. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm a D personality. And if this person is on my team, I'm going to be barking results all day. And they're going to be sitting there going, uh, do you not care about me? Uh, actually, no, I do care about you. I want to yeah. get you a result. Right. And so those are some of the issues that we see uh, uh, every day and that people spend so much time on. I mean, how many times we sat in a boardroom or, you know, a, a lunchroom or a leadership meeting of a company and they're going round and round and they're not really saying nothing. Uh, and all it is is that conflict that you're talking about. And it's just they're they're talking about the, the same elephant, but the D is talking about the snout. And the S is talking about the tail, and they don't understand why they can't get them meet in the middle. I'm going to talk first on your language because it's not um, treat others as you want to be treated. It's essentially I want to communicate to others as they need to be communicated yeah. to. Because even if you're on the side of task, it's like, man, I don't, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to build a business and an organization. Yeah. If I can speak on your level and if I can communicate it in a way that your team can receive it, wouldn't they get more done? For those that are on the task-oriented side, um, you'll, you'll be familiar with this phrase, like, if you don't have time to do it right the first time, when will you have time to do it again? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's all, ultimately sometimes what happens when you're in the meeting. You're in a meeting with your people of 10 to 12 people trying to get a point across, mm-hmm. And for 30 minutes of the 60-minute meeting, you're talking a different language and you're not able to get on the same page. Yeah. What if there was a way that you could identify the pattern, you understood how to communicate to somebody to where they received it, and now we're having a good dialogue, they're yeah. not misreading it, and you're getting the job done. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. That's ultimately what this is and how that works. Absolutely. I know. But I'm a people person. Yeah. I know that I can be impulsive in the life of the party. I don't relate to the charts and graphs and Venn diagrams. Right. But I do want to understand how do I communicate to that person? Because we always say, when I communicate to somebody, I am just as responsible, if not more responsible, in that person receiving that communication yeah. than me giving it. No doubt. So I, I need to be in tune with, did you... Like I said, I, I tell my wife, did, what did you hear me say just now? Ooh, so there you go, right there. Ask if, that question. If the body language in your words are not congruent, 
if you're saying something and you should be getting head nods, yeah. but you're getting kind of this, yeah. right? Stop and call that out. Hey, I'm sorry. What, what did you hear me just say? Oftentimes, in the way that you deliver it, it's not what you said. Like It's not meant to put yourself in a box. It's not meant, hey, I'm a D so I can be a jerk. Uh, it's not meant, uh, I'm an S so I don't do confrontation. Uh, it, it is not meant for that. It is meant for self-awareness. It is meant to connect further, faster with your team. It's meant to be used as a tool that you're now equipping and empowering yourself, your team, and your business as a whole to save time and make more money uh, so that you can grow your legacy, so you can further your mission, further your vision. So one of the cons of I have succeeded is that we will continuously overrate our performance, right? So if these are the goods, what are the bads? Overrate performance. P-R-F there. You guys will get it. And so what we'll think is like, <laughs> I might only be a five, you know, a 300 hitter in baseball, but I'm coming up there and I'm acting like I'm a 750 hitter. Okay. Or things like, I was 75% closing sales last week. So next week I'm going to be 85. Things like that. Or, uh, man, I really killed that meeting or I killed that keynote and uh, no, you didn't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then that tends to be some of the cons. We overrate our performance. I just heard a great story just yes, just yesterday. Talk about customer service. And like, Jeremy, do you think customer service is, is really important? Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. Um, are you willing to ask your customers about customer service and how to get better at that? Of course. Absolutely. Do you ask your wife? I do not. And then, but the story that I heard from that I was like, oh. Okay, yeah. Um, so that breaks it down right there. Perfect example of it. Um, feedback is very important. So, hey, pro tip, go ask her, uh, your wife or your husband or your kids. I've done that too. How can I be better? And man, will they, they'll tell you the truth. And if you go to the people that report to you and say, guys, how can I get better? Understand that the only reason I exist in this position with relation to you mm -hmm. is to serve you, is to help you. Now, we've had some successes, we've done well. I may have some blind spots. So listen, yeah. I, I just want, if I've not done this in the past, man, I'm sorry, but I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna send you some stuff and mm -hmm. take a look at it. And man, if it would do me a solid and hopefully it will help you out. If you can tell me in what ways are working for us, in what ways I struggle, in what ways that I can do to better serve as a leader Absolutely. to help show not only the bright spots I might not see yeah. or help shine light on the blind spots that I can fix for you. So that is a way that I can just humbly come to you and just say, man, I don't have all the answers and that you have a perspective that I don't. Feed forward is, is hey, you know what? Um, I'm looking ahead. What are some things that I can do better going forward mm -hmm. to help serve you? Right? I know that we have a lot of meetings. I know that we do this. We try to keep on, the, on a deadline, on a schedule. Yeah. Based on these things moving forward, how, how, can I, how can I serve you better? And yeah. the intent is always looking at from here and now moving ahead. With a goal that you have coming up, if I'm thinking we do very, very short-term goals, mm -hmm. but then we're thinking five years ahead. So now I have a staff, I have people that I'm looking towards, and we have some projects that we're working on. Mm -hmm. And then I'm also looking, just like in that last example of internally, 
Yeah. As I'm diving in, knowing that I might have some blind spots, I might address those as well. Digging into yourself a little bit deeper. I mean, just here's some questions to ask. We, we just jotted them down. One, how do you feel about change? Hmm. Uh, do you, it's going to happen. So do you want good change or do you want bad change? What's the, you know, and this is out of Jay Klein's playbook. What's the worst case scenario, mm-hmm. right? What's the best case scenario? Um, if you're struggling with it, why is change so, uh, unsettling to you? Why are you struggling with it that much? Um, and define flesh out why it is that you would change. We do this with our, with our leadership clients, and, and the reason that we do is because it's, it's a cost-benefit analysis of is this behavioral change worth it or not? I want to be able to accept and own a failure. A, because I'm responsible as the leader. i got to own it. And if a bucket of paint dropped, i got to make sure I clean it up. Something breaks, I have to pick up the pieces, right? But that doesn't make me a failure. Right? I have four kids, and it's one of those things where it's, you're not bad. Maybe you've done a bad thing, but you're not bad. Maybe this project was a failure. Desi, we've had many of them. Absolutely. Um, but that's not us as a failure. And so it's, it's understanding that I can accept failure. In fact, I have to plan. We plan for failure. Absolutely. If point A is here and we want to get here to success... We inevitably know along the way right here, we're going to fall on our face. Yeah. So like first responders, we want to say, okay, how do we prepare for that? How do I flip that script a little bit? The fear of loss or the negativity bias that we have inherently in us says that I'm two to three times more likely to focus on the negative than I am the positive. In fact, you've been in sports all your life. Oh, yeah. Um, how much more does a loss hit than a win? The conscious mind processes bits of information at 40 to 50 bits per second. Seems like a lot. Even That's though, a lot. I mean, as ADD as I can be, <laughs> right? I, I only can focus on one or two things at a time, and even that, sometimes I yeah, can get easily well, you distracted. Hear that, you're that myth, too, that um, multitasking. Yeah, absolute myth. Like, you're never going to be able to be optimal unless you can just pinpoint and focus one thing. But our conscious brain, 40 to 50 bits per second. Our subconscious awareness is anywhere from 4 to 10 million bits per second. So a little, pretty little crazy, bit more. crazy ratio Yeah, there. like a few more bits <laughs> per second in your subconscious. Right. Um, overall, 90%. Of our overall function, brain function, thoughts, cognition, all of that, 90% of it's subconscious. When I played college football, every time we would come back from a break, spring break, Christmas break, whatever it was, we would have a conditioning test. I would wait till the last day of break <laughs> and like really try to crank it out and be like, okay, I think I got this. I failed twice, which is horrible because you have Dawn Patrol. 5 a.m. every day, running that same test over and over again until you pass it. Okay? Wow. That is where I learned the law of intensity versus consistency. Uh, because now, when I went on break after that, I just ran a little bit every day. Mm-hmm. 
And man, guess what? I never lost my fitness. I never lost my cardiovascular, came back and never failed another test. When you're living on default, focusing on your problems, which is ultimately what happens to most yeah. of us, you're gonna get what you expect. That's just gonna happen. If I come with intent and instead now think focused, what did the last five successes look like? Because I've had some wins. Yeah. I had some, whether it's sales, good closing ratios, whether it was business growing 15, 20, 30%. Um, I've, I've had some of that success. I'm going to put myself there and say, okay, what did that look like? How did I feel? What was the process? Right? I'm thinking about those past successes, not on autopilot, but so intentional to the point that I can tangibly feel it. From point A to point Z, let's call it at point G, you are going to fail. You just will. So what's my response to that? How do I feel about that? Yeah. And then what am I going to do about it? So if I'm asking that daily, I'm mm -hmm. killing the scary taboo and stigma of it and looking yeah. at, man, how can I build from it? Absolutely. And now, now mine, mine and, and this is what we do with our clients, is they come in automatically 8 p.m. every night. I get a text message and I have to fill out just the answers and it's like yes, no, and rated negative three to positive yeah. three. Was I a good husband today? Was I a good dad today? Right. Did I make a difference today? Did we win or did we win or lose today? And the we part is really important in that. It's not about me. It's about us as a team, mm -hmm. right? And then you know what I do after I answer those questions? I watch stand-up comedy because that mm. ends my day with joy. Talk to us about uh, what what do we need to do? How do we go off and uh, and handle our day today? Well, start with start with one thing: be intentional. Right? We've covered a lot, so go back and listen. We'll have some materials. If you guys w comment in the comments that you want the materials, we'll get you what you need in some of the visuals here that you see. Absolutely. But start small. Start with one thing. If that's, you know what, it seems kind of hokey, but I'm going to focus on gratitude. Start there. Absolutely. The key is be intentional and be consistent because that auto loop or that mixtape that's playing, if you allow it to, will just continue playing on default as it always has. So if, if you want different results, if you want to break out of that slump, start there. The thing that's going to get your results is communicating and collaborating on the expectations uh -huh. and the accountability of them. Like when it really comes down to it, accountability is turning expectations into results. 86% Okay, 86% of executives, managers, employees uh, of 400 companies, all of which had 10,000 or more employees, 86% of them said that communication is the number one cause of errors, failures, and lack of productivity in the company. 86%. Crazy. That's insane. Oftentimes, you're going to say something that the other person is going to hear something completely different. And then you're gonna get frustrated and say, well, I told him this six times. But six times, he heard something else come out of yeah. your mouth. And so it's always good to do a check-in. Are, are you clear with the expectations? What did you hear me just say? Yeah. Get them to repeat to you what was being spoken. Because now, okay, now we're aligned and there's that connection. There's so many times where you leave a meeting 
and you may be upset, confused, frustrated, mm -hmm. because somebody said something to you that was not their intent. Yeah. And as leaders, it is more your responsibility that they receive properly what you tell them than that you told them. But as leaders and as business owners, oftentimes we want them to take ownership. We want them not to just time. Right, we want yeah. them to just not be a clock puncher. Okay? One way to do that is starting with why. Why do they get up in the morning? Why are they coming? Why are they choosing your organization to work for? Mm -hmm. Why? Right? Is it family? Is it legacy? Is it esteem? Is it status? What are those main reasons, right? Because if I can know that, then I can figure out how to match those with what the company vision is. Good arts law says when uh, a measure becomes a goal, it ceases to become a good measure, right? So if I'm measuring by you just by units sold, but if the quality stunk, if yeah. you burned a bunch of bridges, well, I'm measuring you great because you sold a bunch, mm -hmm. right? So you first, you need to know as a leader, what are the standards and metrics that I look at that I care about? So then, after I explain to this person on how to do this, not only do they know how to do it, but they know why it matters and what they're gonna be measured on. Yeah. And then, this isn't like every single day I'm gonna measure you on 50,000 things. This is gonna be like, we often look at metrics like the gauges in your car. That's good I'm not a gearhead. I like cars, but I don't know a ton about them, mm -hmm. right? I couldn't fix an engine if it was broke like one of my good buddies. Yeah. But I do know when my gas gauge is on E. Mm -hmm. I do know when my tire pressure is low. I do know when I need to get an oil change. These metrics, when you're getting this reporting, should just show you that. Are these key performance indicators that are tracking you towards your goal or behind? Yeah. And that's also going to tell them, like if, if I say, hey, you know, report the closing percentage to me on the daily, oh, closing percentage must be really important. That must matter. What we sometimes fail to think, Desi, is by not making a decision, we've made a decision. Yeah. yeah. We're holding on to something that needs to take place, Right. but I'm deciding not to act. Yeah. That's so, the safest. So I would maybe even look at that from the standpoint of reflecting on how we make decisions, mm -hmm. right? Am I not making this decision because I don't have the information? Am I not making this decision because I'm afraid? I'm not weighed out, worst yeah. case, best case scenarios? Mm -hmm. Am I not making this decision because of other people are swaying me maybe for or against what my values and yeah, my Yeah, you're being persuaded are. or manipulated, yeah. Yeah, or am I just procrastinating? Yeah, which I'm tends just, to be a lot of the time. I'm just too busy yeah. and it just, I lost track and, you know, procrastinators unite tomorrow. I'll, I'll do this tomorrow. <laughs> I love right? it. I love it. We run into leaders, to teams, to sales pros that say that all the time. I'm just super busy. Mm -hmm. I'm just super busy. And honestly, <clears throat> that ticks me off a lot of times. Because I'm like, yeah, but, you know, the best builders and the ones that get things done are the busiest. Yeah. <clears throat> and there's the old adage of, you know, if you want something done, call someone who's busy, right? Because right? uh, they're going to figure it out. Um, but you'll notice it's a small tweak of saying the word busy versus, you know, I, I'm juggling a lot of plates. Yeah. Like, I, I try not to use the word busy. Well, and oftentimes, Desi, there's busy work, 
that is treadmill work. Oh, yeah. And so that feeling of being busy and feeling exhausted, it's probably true. Mm -hmm. I, I, I can't discount that. However, man, how efficient are we? How effective are we? So we're going to talk about that today. Yeah, and I want to debunk a myth, too. <clears throat> and I'm going to debunk this because I fell into this trap. Um, is that... I, we can't waste any time. We've got to make sure that, you know, Desi and Jeremy saying don't waste time. Make sure that we're being really effective, really efficient. Um, like, that doesn't mean that I can't spend time with my kids. Yeah. That doesn't mean that I don't have an intentional date night every Friday night with my wife. Um, that's intentional. That's not wasting time. That's the key. Right? So that becomes really, really, really important. Um, absolutely. By design, all of the things. Career and life. Now... Do I also intentionally, um, I don't call it wasting, I call it resetting, mm -hmm. you know, uh, um, but do I do that too? Yep, I do yes. that too, because I need that regeneration. Yeah, and your key word there, Desi, that you said is intentional. Do it right, do it light, but the only way to do it right and light is by doing it long and wrong for a while. Okay, nice. Okay, so you've you got to figure out the time and the skill yep. in order to be efficient and effective. No, oh, that's great. That's how I learned it the hard way. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. That's the, we get that question quite a bit is like, so which do I need? Do I need efficiency? Do I need Trick question. Yeah. Both. Yes, the answer is yes. Right? Red do or I, blue, do I, absolutely. Do I need efficiency or effectiveness? Yes. I mean, because if you think about it, Desi, we can be efficient in a lot of things, but not effective at all. Right? Oh, yeah. If I have a focus, you talked about stupid emails earlier. If I have a focus that I have to get through and send these emails or I have to make all of these phone calls and I make those calls at 6 a.m., but I'm calling California, probably not super effective. No. When we talk about that, and we'll, we'll, we'll look at this here on the board in a second, but we want to look at when we prioritize, we can easily batch. We can easily mm -hmm. group and say, this task relates to this task, and I'm going to knock this whole category out. But I don't want to be making a quote, be in a corporate meeting, be on the phone, be text messaging, be IMing, yeah. and then watching my favorite show on Netflix. Yeah, I mean, we're doing it right now, full transparency. We're batching these right now. Yep. We're doing multiple episodes so that we're in the state of flow. This morning, I did the same thing, 4.30 to 8.30 a.m. I have two massive screens. They're both 27 inches apart, right? It's, I call it my, my battle station. I had one window open and no phone no lights mm -hmm. and had one thing yeah. in mind yeah that is it All right and guess what i knocked that thing out of the park and actually got halfway done with another thing mm -hmm. that i wasn't even planning on dwight eisenhower said i have two kinds of problems the urgent and the important the urgent are not important and the important are never urgent so we're going to break that down for you um, and talk about each one and talk about where you should spend the most time um, but in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey uh, talks about the urgent things cause us to react, uh, which switches us from doing things that we actually should be doing, the priority uh, type of tasks, items, skills that we want to be working on. Um, and then urgent tends to have a mask on. It tends to be disguised as important 
Because it's usually important to other people. When we talked earlier about being busy, this is, I'm busy. I'm doing busy work. Mm -hmm. I feel somewhat validated and gratified because, man, I answered 375 emails today. Right? I was able to answer 55 questions from my staff. I was able to put out a ton of fires. I was able to, but... Very seldom did it line up with quad, quadrant two, which is the growth, focus, values, preparation quadrant, okay? Yep. Now, when you see this, and we'll have these resources if you're not on the YouTube, if you would like some of these resources for yourself, yeah. we'll have you click on the link. But as I circle this, one in three is where most people spend 80 plus percent of their time. And when you say ownership, people are like, well, I don't own the company. I'm an executive. Yep. I'm a leader. That's I'm always an employee. first response. Yeah. I'm a sales manager. Um, ownership is everything. If you're involved in it, then you should take ownership in any part of your role. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't have stock options. I don't. My name's not on the building. Right. But you are part of that vision. And so I know you're going to get to this, but how you apply ownership to that mm -hmm. mentally, how I can take ownership of something when it has nothing to do with me yeah. on the forefront, how do I relate that and say, man, I have ownership as the CEO of my family. I have ownership of CEO over my department. Mm -hmm. And really look at now what that means to me is, well, I'm responsible for that. It's so much easier to criticize and complain than it is to actually lead. Yes. So I, I don't, it's harder. Mm. It's harder to have these mindsets and to look and say, yep. am I blaming myself? Do I take ownership? If I don't have ownership, I can easily say, well, that's, that's him and here's why, let me tell you. That's super easy to do yeah. instead of really trying to dig in and, and focus on owning you it. You have to always own the problem, but then when the result comes that you're happy with, that is empowering the team becomes more important than you taking the ownership of the result, mm -hmm. right? You have to let the team own the result, you own the problem and the failure. Like you're thinking, oh man, if I own that failure, people are gonna think that I'm a failure. Right. And it's like the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. They'll look around and be like, oh. And when Bobby's sitting over here and you know he's a manager, but you're the supervisor, and Bobby totally screwed up, and he starts to talk, and you say, actually, that was on me. I'm the one that gave that to Bobby. That's on me, that's my fault, right? And me and Bobby are gonna handle this, we're gonna fix it together. Yeah. What do you think just happened in Bobby's head um, that he now thinks of you as a leader, and that you just took that ownership, and you owned it, you're responsible for it? He's gonna run through a wall for you. Yeah, being that open with him. Yeah. Right there, and taking just that responsibility and commitment, it's, it, it changes everything. So let's give them some examples, some, some tips, some, some ways to tell uh, if we have good ownership. So first one is, is health. I mean, that's how you know that you're owning your, your own life, your own body, your own emotions, mm -hmm. you know, your diet, your fitness, uh, things like that. That's, that's a quick sign right there. Now, I don't mean you got to be, you know, up on stage flexing um, for a competition, but just, you know, do you have your stuff, do you have yourself together? Mm -hmm. Do you have yourself together? At the end of the day, mindset, it requires no talent, mm -mm. just effort. And 
So and there's nothing to it to, but to do it. Right. We had an old running backs coach in college. Every, every game day, man, he would roll through that locker room 20 times. <laughs> nothing to it but to do it. There's nothing to it but to do it, boys. Nothing to it but to do it. Uh, that, but it's ingrained. Oh, it's like, man, but mindset does not require talent, just effort. But let's talk about failure. Like, it's an inevitability. Yeah, it's going to happen. We all face it. We all go through the pain of it. And it, and it doesn't matter whether it's as a husband, as a dad, as an owner, as a teammate, fill in the blanks. Yep. Leader, if, sales rep, blah, blah, blah. If you have a goal, if you have a situation, it's probably not going to turn out as you originally thought. Yeah. And along the way, you're just, you're just going to screw I'm it think, up. I'm thinking of this, this, this uh, maybe it's a meme, maybe it's just a picture. But it's like success, and it goes whoop, straight up, and then it's like real life, and it goes boop, 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 or like all the squigglies, yeah. And then yeah, you yeah, go yeah. off, right? Like all of those things that aren't just this straight line. You're deciding not to do something is a decision. Yep. So a lot of times people say, "Well, I mean, I can't fail if I don't try." Wrong. Like you've already failed. Yeah. Like you you've decided failed to try. You decided not even to try yep. to actually go out and Which do is something. A and and oftentimes, even if you come at this, not just having a tinge of fear, but being gripped with fear, focusing and dwelling on fear. That's the whole foundation of your process of even trying. When that happens, you, you're going to fail and then you're going to think it's, well, it's self-fulfilled. Call to action on this, guys, is develop a worst case scenario. Yeah. Tim Ferriss has an awesome blog on this. Check it out um, if you have some time. But Ahead of time, think about, here's the goal. We have a project. We're working on a client, and we see challenges. We see strengths, and we say, okay, this is the route we want to take. Yep. What's the absolute worst thing that can happen? It's a great way to play step out. Step by step by step. So, like, should, flesh it out. Yeah. Saying, yeah. Should this completely fail, what does that look like? Worst, probable, possible, best. Just so you have that laid out, just so you have an understanding and that will, it takes away that because even though there's still going to be some variables, I think every day we're throwing curveballs. Yeah, absolutely. It does take away ultimately the fear guys that, that I've experienced that a lot of people have in this is just the fear of unknown. Yeah. I'm removing a lot of that element and the stigma to that by, and I'm just, you know what, since I don't know what could happen. Because there's a good chance that in these scenarios, one of those four is going to be gonna, one that's going to happen for sure. Yep. Oh yeah. So and we, uh, I mean, we we know that because we've done it. Celebrate failure. Yeah, that's right. So take that in just for a hot sec and think about that because when you fail, we talked about the sting. We talked about dwelling on it. Inherently, your mind and your brain says, "Stay alive. Don't be uncomfortable. Red alert. You failed." When that happens, we've talked in previous podcasts about loops and the soundtrack in our head. Yeah. I knew I was going to fail. Why did I even try? Ah, I'm so stupid. Man, no, don't do that. What if instead you reframed it and celebrated it, not in the failure itself, but in the fact that you're one step closer to success? We, we do this often with sales reps, especially that are new in the field. 
and that have some reluctance. Yeah. They're great with people, but uh, I don't like objections. And what if they say no? Well, then they say no. If you yeah. have people that report to you, um, the greatest gift that you can give them is empowerment to make a decision. If they feel safe, if they feel okay that they can make a decision and screw up, when we bring people in for onboarding or newer folks, that's what that's our stump speech. You're going to be really bad at this. Yeah. Before you're good at it. Yep. You're going to suck until you don't. Absolutely fail. There's nothing that you can break mm -hmm. that we can't fix. So have at it. Yeah. If you don't do that, if you don't open them up to that, all they see is this little box that they can work in and they're afraid to make any type of decision for fear of failure and upsetting the boss.